Good morning. It's an honor to be here with you again. Bless you today. And I just, I know we're online and everything, but we're family here. Is that correct? That's correct. And so I just want to say thank you for your prayers and your support in the journey that uh, I have been on in the last number of months. And we, I just want to say thank you from the deep of our heart. My wife and I, uh, Cher would be here today, but she's at her 50th nursing graduation. How's that? And so uh, she spoke as a valedictorian 50 years ago, and the title of her address was Where There's No Vision, the People Perish. So she went right back to that in her presentation on Friday night and was speaking about the vision that they went out with. I thought it very interesting. I remember the, the Anglican vicar's message on that, uh, on that graduation day. And it's interesting uh, in terms of the light of who we are as a house here, who we are as individuals. The title of the message was, There Go the Ships. That's, that's fully apostolic on its face, you know. And he was saying to all the nurses, uh, you've trained well, you've done all this well. Now we're sending you out and now they're regathering together. And we had excellent times of fellowship and getting connected. And so Cher's there and she's reading in the Anglican church this morning. So bless you, baby, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go for it in Jesus' name. We got a friend here, Mike Hendrick, has been a part of our congregations for the last 30-some years. And in the, before the pandemic hit, he, he said to me, Ken, I think he's, God's been developing a prophetic uh, anointing in his life. And he said, you know, I believe God wants me to write a book. I said, oh, if you going to write a book, what would you write it on? And uh, he said, I want to write it on the fear pandemic. Now remember, the pandemic hadn't hit yet. And uh, so we worked together, the bunch of us, with Mike in his journey writing his first book, and it's called Conquering the Fear Pandemic. And we've got a bunch of copies here today. If you'd like to pick one up, I don't know if my computer is available. You can put it right up. Is it right there? You go right there. If you'd like to get a copy of this, I think it'd be a blessing. It could be used in a discipleship format, small group Bible study. Mike shares his testimony, healing from fear and God transforming his life from abuse and all those kinds of things. So I encourage you to pick one up today. Just lay down $20 there or $25 or $50, whatever you want. We do one for $20 and two for $50. How's that? That's that's called kingdom business, right? Come on, all you business people, say amen to me. Look at that. We'll just put that right there, right? <laughs> Anyways, I've been tracking with Kevin. Uh, when I come here, I don't come with my own agenda unless he says, would you bring a word? And so then I do. And he puts the pressure off himself, puts it on me to try to hear from God for you. But today I'm, I'm here to build with Kevin and Sherry in the house. And you've been working on the gifts and all these things throughout the scripture, I've been listening to message. Matter of fact, how does my shirt look this morning? He set you up last week. Come on, come on, help me out now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this over here. Come on up, come on up here. Look at this, look at this here. You think mine's wild. Have a look at this. I think there's some, um, yeah. I think there's something happening. I got a spiritual son here. Stand up, turn around, Mike. See, Holy Ghost rubbing it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to go shirts and also socks. Can you, can you parallel that today? Anyways, this thing about uh, life and ministry, and uh, let me just say a, a couple of opening comments about the gifts of the Spirit. I've ne- this is my 50th year of ministry. Started in Bancroft in 1973, came to Belleville in 1976, went to Queensway Cathedral in Toronto until 1989, from 81 to 89, 
spent the last 34 and a half years in the city of Calgary. And uh, now as a journeyman in this thing called faith, I have something that I carry in my heart about the gifts of the Spirit, and it's this. is I am overwhelmed as a servant of the Lord and one who has preached and taught the Word of God for all these years of the lack of hunger amongst the people of God to move, understand, and operate in all the gifts that he has for every one of us. He's just filled with gifts. His nature is that he is a giver on steroids. And uh, so I, 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 it boggles my head that there is not a greater hunger for all the gifts that are found in God's word. I mean, if somebody wants to give you a gift, uh, how about uh, receiving that gift? Who find it, finds it awkward to receive? Who finds it awkward? Just go ahead. Who would rather give than receive? Just go ahead. Okay, that's part of our problem. But our Heavenly Father, He wants uh, to give to us gifts that will do nothing but accentuate our personality, our calling, and everything that He's done for us since He's brought us out of darkness into light. He just wants to augment us and augment us and augment us and equip us and equip us and give us good things so we are the finest gifted people in the world. I, I think that's in the heart of God. But to my surprise, and I'm now talking about globally as I travel, the lack of hunger that I find amongst Pentecostal charismatic people for what we are, a uh, hunger for those kinds of gifts. Anyways, uh, I've been listening to Kevin as he's been waxing the elephant here over the last uh, number of months. And so let's have a look at my title. It's a really involved title, okay? It's called uh, Scriptural Collected of Spirit Life Activity, Gifts Given, Life in the Spirit, and His Divine Nature at Work. Because this is what it's all about. The message of the Holy Spirit has been the centerpiece of everything that we have done. We have seen more people baptized in the Holy Spirit than probably anything else other than those trained to become intercessors and become the ecclesia that is going beyond the congregation into the marketplace and into the mission field and carrying forth the Word of God. So I want to speak a bit about the gifts, the graces, the fruit, the intersection of them, working together in couplets and triplets, and I pray that this message will be complementary and building with what uh, Kevin and your team have been sharing over the last number of months, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. It's volumes, it's volumes and volumes and volumes. There's a word that I came across a number of years ago, it's the word creality. Creality, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. Creality, you just make it up, Ken? No, it's the reality that is inside creativity. When you welcome Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, you welcome the creator of all things visible and invisible. So guess where the creator resides this morning? If you've welcomed him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, you've welcomed creality right into the center of your being. Let's have a look at the next one here. What it really is saying to us, let's consider the merger of two vibrant words, reality and creativity. If there's anything about the gifts and callings and graces of God, is one thing for sure as a testament to my life is they are real. 
And the beautiful thing about this creator God that rides upon the circle of the earth, yet he lives in our hearts. He wants to release his gifts and callings and his anointings through us as his people. Can somebody say that's a fantastic thing? Isn't that fantastic? I think it's fantastic anyways. So as we carry along here, just have a, let's have a look at the Godhead. Because the nature of, of this giving God is not just the Father. It's not just the Son, but it's all three in one. They all work together. Everything is coming from them to us. So when we look at the nature of the triune God, all that he wants to do is give to us. Whether it's a Father giving good gift, whether it's the Spirit of God releasing gifts in it, or whether it's a Son that is giving good gifts to anyone that desires. As a matter of fact, the full five-fold ministry are gifts given by Jesus to the church so that the church can go forward and expand the kingdom of God. What is the role of Holy Spirit in the scripture? Could we read these together? Number one, out loud, all of you together. He guides us. Number two. Number three. Number four. Five. Number six, you take those six things, and let me tell you, this is exactly what he wants to do in every one of us. Is there anybody here you're fearful of being led astray? Stay close to Holy Spirit. He'll lead and guide us into all truth. What is truth? He is truth. The Word is truth. The Spirit is truth. And I'll tell you what, if we'll stay close and intimate with the Spirit of God, he doesn't speak about himself. Isn't that interesting? There's no jealousy, disharmony, envy in the Godhead. They work as one the way the church is to work as one. Every member of Christ's body together and we stand and can everybody say as one. And that's the way the Godhead works. So if we're going to reflect the nature of God, we're going to reflect that unity of the Spirit. The beautiful thing about Holy Spirit is he's a strategist. This is one of the things that I love about him and when it comes to the gifts and the graces and anointing, he works as a strategic minister of all these things to every one of us. Strategy is the science and the art of war. How many of us understand we were not called out of darkness to, to be on a playground? How many understand that? We've been called out of darkness to be a part of a battleground. Do we understand that? Many believers have a difficult time when difficult things come our way. But we're in a war. We're in a war over the souls of men. If we can't see that in present culture, we're, we're deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid this morning. Because there's a war going on, and it is the third world war. And it's a war for the souls of men. And if you and I are going to be ready for that war, we must let the equipper in the Godhead equip us with every good thing to do his will. Excuse me for getting excited this morning, but this is kind of a hot subject inside of my spirit, you know. Let's look at the strategy. Certainly the Holy Spirit is not unsystematic or disorganized as often accused. He's goal-oriented like a brilliant field commander who comes up with unexpected strategies to deal with particular situations. That's a great place for the word of knowledge right there. The beautiful thing about the nine manifestations of the Spirit, you can take at least six of them to the marketplace with you. And anybody that's a believer operating in the marketplace, we have a strategic advantage because of the manifestations of the Spirit of God. Because they go with us. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, 
discerning of spirit. All those things are operating. Now, many people consider serving under that kind of leader to be very unsettling, not myself. I, that's part of the adventure of being a part of the king. Does anybody like adventure in this room? All right, so if we're going to work with Holy Ghost, then we're working with the adventurer of all adventurers. This kind of strategy keeps believers on our toes, and the enemy continually off balance that his church might advance the, his kingdom in the earth. The Holy Spirit's major concern, if there's anybody a part of our uh, youth ministry, young adult ministry at Calvary Temple of uh, 40, some, 40 some years ago, do you remember this? I must advance the cause of Christ. Where's Rhonda? When I need Rhonda, she'll, she'll remember that. Can you say this with me? I must. Rhonda, come on. Isn't that true, Rhonda? I must. Let's say it together. I must, I must. Advance, advance the cause, the cause of, Christ. of Christ. I must. Advance the cause of Christ. Now, pick up the temple, okay, a little bit. Take out your right index finger. Here we go. One, two, three. I must. Oh, oh, oh. Right index finger. Your, your opportunity to preach. Let's go. I must. Sherry, do you remember that? There you go. I'm dating her back now. She, yeah. Okay, let's try it one more time. Now, say it with some conviction, okay? There's no other reason for the gifts than to advance the cause of Christ and build his kingdom. How many want to be kingdom builders? Then I believe that our pursuit for the gifts of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Uh, the scripture says here, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates or the council of hell will not prevail against my ecclesia. Now, that word ecclesia has been in my vocabulary since 1973 because that was the name of our class, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And we are called out of darkness to do something with the light because we've been called out of darkness to take the light of God and spread it wherever we go. The Holy Spirit's major concern is to advance the cause of Christ. Would you read with me on the bottom of this slide, everyone together? I must work in concert with him to advance his kingdom while he builds his church. Amen? How many of us understand that the kingdom comes before the church? The first message that he gave to his disciples was not about the church. It was about the kingdom. Preach the kingdom teach the kingdom, and then from that kingdom message, the church was born. And so what do we do as a local church? We must advance the kingdom of God because we have been birthed out of the kingdom of God and the kingdom message that came first before this message here. Let's have a look at some of the gifts. Right up, leave this up on the screen for a couple of moments. When we talk about the fivefold ministry gifts, there's many names given to them. Administrative gifts, ascension gifts, Fivefold gifts, consultative gifts, grace gifts, all found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And what we've got is five of those. There's apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors or shepherd. Remember that the word pastor is only found once in the scripture. The word shepherd is the better word that is there. It's found once. The word apostle is found over 70 times. And we wonder if apostles and prophets are for today. They're mentioned more frequently than pastors, but we call pretty well all spiritual leaders pastors, and we're incorrectly naming them. When we do that, then they accept that they're living under a ceiling. 
And so guess what? You're going to hit your head against the ceiling all the time because we put something over. We put a title in front of our name. My name is Ken, and that's how God sees me as Father. And then he gives me gifts, and the gifts are behind me. I'm, uh, he loves me as his person first. I'm number one in his category. I know Kevin thinks he's number one, but I really am number one. But our names, uh, I heard him say that. I watch his messages, you know. You know, you, you, come on, you guys, you know. You know what I'm talking about? So just to let you know this morning that he loves me way more than you because he, he's loved me longer. <laughs> but think about it. We've trained pastor teachers in this nation for over 100 years. That's why we're living under a ceiling. Please hear this morning. That's why we cannot get to where we need to go. Do you know that in our ministry lifetime, the message of the kingdom was silenced for 30 years? And I kept inquiring of the Lord, why is the message of the kingdom continually suppressed in Pentecostal charismatic circles? And then one day in seeking the Lord, the Lord said to me, son, the message of the kingdom will not take root until I raise up apostles and prophets that will steward the message of the kingdom. Now, does that make spiritual sense to anybody in the room? Our pastor is important? Absolutely. You bet our teacher is important? You bet our evangelist is important? Yes, but they've died. You can hardly find anyone. Why didn't this apostolic hub, if you went together with your intercessors for the next one year and began to call on God for the restoration of the gift of evangel, because we can't get to where we need to go unless all five are in place. And we need to talk about these gifts first. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. Why? Because they're headship gifts. If the head is sick, the body can never come to health. Now, Kevin waxed the elephant last week. A good message on the body. It was fantastic. I, I listened to it a couple of times. Uh, and the thing of it is, is that's, the thing of it is, we start always with the body. We can't start with the body. We must start with the head if everything is going to be in biblical order. But what have we done? We've not believed in the headship of Christ. And if we want to see something happen in this nation, is pray, intercede for the restoration of the headship of Jesus Christ to his church. Because it is Christ that gave five gifts to the church. He didn't give two. He didn't give three. He gave five gifts to the church. If there's an amen in the room, that'll be great. Well, let's look at the nine reasons why he gave these five gifts. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body. To unify the body in faith, to unify the body in the knowledge of Christ. To unify the body in doctrine until each member comes to the fullness of maturity. Body of Christ, we can't come to maturity with two gifts. We need all five gifts ministering. This house, all five gifts in operation as headship gifts in this house to move us forward into his preferred future for every one of us. And somebody said amen on that, I think. Until each member comes to fullness of maturity. Oh, here's one. Until the body comes to harmony of purpose. Oh, oh here it comes now. Mike, your songs this morning. Until the body begins to edify itself in love. Isn't that amazing? So it's up to the body to edify itself as we love one another, as Kevin so aptly shared those stories last week. Let's have a look. This is a picture. 
I'm trying to give you an overview of all that's found in the scripture about these incredible gifts. Have a look at it. Now, usually I time it, but I took all the timers off. Aren't you glad this morning, Kevin, I did that for you? Yeah. But look what we got. In the middle, we've got the five ministry gifts that are given to the body of Christ. Then what have we got? We got the manifestations of the Spirit. There's nine of them, right? And then on the other side, we got the operations or the motivations. That's where he was going last week in his message. Now, because of being a student of this for all these years, I don't know about you, but when I saw those administrative things, I said, God, I want all five operating in my life. He said, you asked for all five? Oh, I asked for all nine gifts too. I'm greedy. And then I looked at the operations, the motivations, and I wanted all those too. Come on, anybody with me? Nobody hungry in the room? You know, you go to a smorgasbord, right? And you look at it and say, I, I want something of everything, but I can't eat everything, but it's all there for us to eat. Is that not true? So when we look at this and we look at the manifestations, what does the word manifest mean? It means to make, make God visible. So guess what? When you go to the marketplace, you take the nine manifestations. Well, mostly you'll see the bottom ones operating as kingdom people amongst the church usually. And in the church, like when was the last time you had a message in tongues and interpretation? Many churches have relegated them out now. Well, you know that when somebody comes in and say, well, we don't want to scare off unbelievers. Bah humbug. The scripture says if it's a message in tongues and it's spoken and there's an interpretation of it, that equals prophecy. And guess what? Even the unbeliever is intrigued and will say, God is in the house. That's the way the scripture works. And we've just got to trust the word of God to be true and trust Holy Spirit to be true as well. Can I go back to that slide? Thank you very much. So, but up here, these things that you can take to the marketplace with you every day. You can take the gift of healing. You can take the working of miracles. You can take faith into any context. You can take word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And let me tell you, in today's world, we need the discerning of spirits. Right? This is the discerning of evil and good spirits. That's what it's about. People say, I have the gift of discernment. No. It's the gift of the discerning of spirits. It's the distinguishing between evil and good. Now, do we need that in operation today, every one of us? See, we're being charged with that we're, we become evil and the others have become good. Well, that's prophesied in the Word of God. So we got to know ourselves who we are. And then we get over here, the operations to me. I said, God, would you help me to define this to your people? And he said, son, just tell them I pre-wired every one of them. Everybody, through conception, through your birthing into this world, you have been pre-wired by God. And guess what he's done for us? He's put faith in every one of us. Can you imagine? Had he not taken initiative to put the deposit of faith in us, then we could never reach back to him. Oh, that's called divine initiative. He's always on the move. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Ho, ho, ho. You see... If we live our faith-based lives on we chose him, guess what? Everything in faith is multi-option. I don't know if we want to do that. don't know why. But if we realize we've been chosen by the Father, we've been filled with the Spirit, his Son died for us, and he reached into the universe, and he put his hand on us, and he picked us unto himself, wow, we've been hand-picked by God. Can someone say divine choice? You and I have been divinely chosen. I think that's worth some praise this morning, don't you think? Yeah, he makes no mistake. Yeah, he's worthy of praise. 
he's worthy of praise because I've been picked by God. We all Christians, you know, walk around like this. My Lord, God, let's just take the left hand and go. And the right hand and square up her shoulder and say, I am a son of the Most High God. I am gifted by the Spirit to expand his kingdom in the city of Belleville and beyond. Anyways, lots to say on all these things. Have a picture. I put this together a number of years ago to try to help the people see what's happened in this beautiful thing called the administrations and the manifestations and the operations. When you get everything in its rightful place, Holy Spirit is in the center. The fivefold ministry gifts are right, right around us. And then all of a sudden we have all these wonderful operations that are coming so that we can operate as pre-wired people by the Holy Spirit. Then he inserts all these incredible gifts. And look at all that. Um, we're just here. We're only on a couple of slides. Can you stay till 6 o'clock so I can get finished? <laughs> Forget the barbecue. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't this beautiful? That, isn't that a great picture? You want to know where I designed that? Who'd like to know? Down the road, Calvary Temple, in my office, trying to help the people of God see the package that's available for us. And I don't know about you, but by this time in the message, I think your tongue would be hanging out and going, <laughs> come on, now old and young. Say, well, I'm too old. Oh, you're not too old. To let the divine enablement of the Spirit and welcome the chief equipper of the universe to equip us to do his, to do his will. Excuse me for getting exciting. How about some attitudes towards the gifts? Let's read them. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five. Do we need any more? Man, when I read that, Ken, don't be ignorant. So this morning, God wants to eliminate ignorance in the room. How about this one? The Bible is always talking about covetousness in the, in the negative. Here he spins it and says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Hunger for them, desire for them. But don't get excited about it, okay? And without love, okay, it's the whole thing we sang it this morning. If we're going to operate in the gifts then love is first, right? And then we're to desire spiritual gifts, etc. Let's have a look at this one. See, God-given gifts, good and perfect gifts, come from God. That's found in James 1 and 17. Remember, it's because I've uh, given oversight and tried to help so many young adults, I'd say to a young adult, if you're looking for a life mate, you get to make a choice between having a good or a perfect gift. Because there's a difference between a good gift and a perfect gift. So I, I tell Cheryl all the time that she is my perfect gift because she is the only one that could have ever have lived with me all these years. <laughs> what does the word perfect mean? One designed and suited by the creator. So if you're looking for a spouse for your life, what are you looking for? Well, good gifts are good gifts. But how about perfect gifts? The ones that are designed. I talked to my friend down here this morning. I said, how's your beautiful wife? He says, she's getting more beautiful every day. Smart man. 
He didn't say that to his wife. He said that to me. Man, are we confessing that about our brides? Are we saying, Cheryl and I have been married 49 years. What an incredible gift. Her name is Cheryl. It means courage to be able to live with me. Come on, humor. Little humor, little humor, little humor. But here we've got, we've got all these things. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. That's the operations and the motivations. We have different gifts but the same spirit. That's the manifestations. He led captivity in his train and gave gifts to men. That's the administrations and the ascension gifts and the fivefold ministry gifts. Number four, where Kevin was waxing uh, eloquent last week, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. That becomes uh, the objective and the motivation. Here's a really unique scripture. I find this to be just it really grabbed a hold of my mind many years ago. Could we read it together, the first, verse 28, 1, 2, 3? Stop, 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 stop right there. Let's read the first word, and come on, God, God has in first, who? Interesting. So what do my evangelical friends say? Huh? Those gifts are no longer for today, so do I just cut that scripture out of the scripture? They say, well, that was for then, Ken. I said, no. You can't cut and paste in the Word of God. What you understand, don't understand, I'll just put it off to the side. And what I do understand, I'll embrace. So many people have a tough time with, with apostles and prophets. They have a tough time. And here, he gives the only order found in the Word of God when it comes to the gifts. He put an order in there for us. And it's coming out of the chapter on the manifestations of the Spirit. And it says, God, notice the word here, Kevin. The word here is placement. Just like Kevin was talking weeks ago about everyone placing us in the body. So the same placer in the body of you, that's how, you know, I come to a local church. I ask people, uh, are, have God placed you here? Maybe you want to ask that this morning. So I like Desert's dream. Well, do you like it enough to recognize that the Holy Spirit's brought you here and placed you here and wants you to become very productive through the loins of this ministry? Many people want position. I can't wait to get on the worship team. I can't wait to get on the eldership. I can't wait. No, no. It's not about position. It's about placement because look at what he did here in the scripture. And God has placed in the church, first of all, what does the word first mean? It means proton, the first one of a kind. And then he says prophet. So we've been operating in Canada since the night we had an upsurge of God in the late 40s and then they squashed it. So we've been basically 50 to 70 years without these two gifts in operation. Look at this. Let's go to the next one. Thirdly, teachers. Then miracles, gifts of healing, helping of guidance and different kinds of tongues. It's the most unusual. I'll show it to you in the next slide. But it's the most unusual verse. But then it asks some questions. Are all apostles? And this is where my evangelical friends see, see Ken. Not all, I said, no, not all are apostles. And I'd say, not all are apostles. So the answer to all these questions is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? See, people say that's the reason why we don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Out of context, out of context, out of context. 
This is talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. It's not talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. This is about order in the house of God. So it answers itself. Let's go up. I'll go to my next slide here. And uh, here it is. Here's a picture. Take a look at the picture. As I, as I looked at that verse, I thought, that verse 28 is really peculiar. So I looked at it, the blending of the gifts. So you know, we've got operations mentioned, administrations mentioned, and manifestations. Operations to the church in Rome, administration to the church in Ephesus, and manifestations to the church in Corinth. And what, what is, you say, Ken, what does that do? That brings to me the verity of the word of God. God is bringing it all together. Churches that were separated by miles. I mean, Ephesus and Rome is a long way away. And Corinth is a long way from Rome. And Ephesus is closer to Corinth than it is to Rome when you look at it geographically. But when we, when we back up, let's just back up to this. So up here, what he has done, he's placed in the church all of, all of these things. And Verse 28 is now on this chart right here. So we can see the picture of what God is doing. He's so beautiful. There's so much that we can find. How about the anointing of the Spirit? Let's go here. The anointing. Let's read this together. Everybody, one, two, three. Everybody. So is the anointing important? Okay, but how do we see the anointing? My vantage point, we are continually trying to pull the Old Testament anointing into the New Testament. We're trying to still prophesy as Old Testament prophets. Rather than Jesus being the model of New Testament prophecy. Jeremiah is not my model. Neither is Isaiah. Neither is Amos or Haggai or I respect them all or Elijah and Elisha. The, pro, the one that we are to model is Jesus who is the super prophet amongst all prophets. A greater than Solomon, a greater than Jeremiah. So what do we got inside of us? Come on, in, can you do this? Inside of us, we've got the prophetic disposition of Jesus. And so what he, all he's wanting to do is say, I want you to recognize that. And then would someone please let me out? So if we're going to start modeling all these ministries, we've only got one model. And it's Jesus. Because everything in that Old Testament, which is fantastic, was pointing towards the Christ. And then everything that is pointing back towards the Christ. And he becomes the illustration of all things. Let me go to the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that God wants to shift our paradigms on the fruit of the Spirit. This is the first thing that we teach everybody in our Sunday school class. First thing we teach our children is about the fruit of the Spirit because we're trying to control behavior. Here's what it says. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, goodness, and self-control. Against since there is no law. And we believe that. So when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, let's have a look at it. Well, in the middle of this, we got a sevenfold anointing. So the anointing in a New Testament sense, as prophesied by Isaiah in 11.2, this sevenfold anointing was going to be on the Christ. So Jesus, if you'll read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Revelation, you'll find all seven aspects of that anointing being released through Jesus. 
And those, the anointing is to be released seven ways. And all seven ways reflect Christ. I have some people say, you know, my friend Graham Brethrick, he says, I love Graham to pieces. Well, you know, I don't think Graham is anointed. I said, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit I beg your pardon. You say, well, you look at Ken. Well, Ken, he's animated. He's, he's out, you know, he's outgoing. He's anointed. How do you know? So I've tracked all seven of these anointings through the New Testament scriptures because we've got to move from reading the word to become students of the word. Isn't that not true? Anybody here is a son of the house? We've got to become students of God's word. Right? So let's go back up to the slide here. What we've got here is these seven. The spirit of the Lord was upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of counsel. People, people say to me, my friend Graham, yes, he's quiet, but listen to him. Because the spirit of counsel flows out of him like water. Has anybody ever been helped by our friend Graham? Well, you may not know him, but because he's been birthing a counseling center the last three years, but I think he's ready to cut loose. You know, Kevin, come on back down. And be with us. So all this anointing is to help the body, help the believer maturity, and then for ministry effectiveness on the chart. We've got nine fruit of the Spirit. Oh, this is the one I love. The nine graces of the Spirit to me are over the moon. <laughs> but don't get excited about them because I'm getting excited. I'm just trying to give you a picture of all that's available. Let's read this scripture together, Ken. One, two, three. This is speaking about the graces that I just pointed out. One, two, three. Stop. It means these qualities can grow. Is that correct? Yeah. What does the word increase mean? Okay, let's keep going. For Stop. Anybody tired in your journey of being ineffective? Anybody concerned about being non-productive? These graces, when desired, will do something on the inside of us. That will transform it. Let's keep reading, Kev. You wonder why people fall? Any idea? This is how we backslide. This is how we grow cold. This is how we turn indifferent. This is how we become apathetic. And he just says to me, Ken, Ken. He says, just take hold of these things, Ken. Okay. Ken, add to your faith diligence. So all I ever want to be, my life message is diligence. Because I got it from the Bible. And then goodness, I just want to be a good man. Anybody want to be good? A good person? I want to be good. The Bible doesn't talk about greatness. The kingdom of God is not about greatness. It's about goodness. Let's go on. Add to your goodness knowledge. Add to your knowledge self-control. I developed a 13-part series on the fruit of self-control. <laughs> you talk about a series that I did years ago that's apt for today. We have a society that's totally out of control. Let's go to the next. Add to your faith, diligence, goodness, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance. That means we're people that we don't give up easy. Next one. Add to your perseverance, God-likeness. Add to your God-likeness, brotherly kindness. And add to our brotherly kindness, love. 
And so what is love? Well, I, I have another slides. I have it built like a cake. Start with faith at the bottom. I got love on the top, man. And love is like that thing that just trickles down over the entire cake. And this, because this will help us. An understanding will help us to be able to do this. Anybody want to be productive in the kingdom? Yes. Well, there's some of the keys to your future. Let's read this together. You read it last Sunday. One, two, three. The Next. Have you ever uh, wanted to wash your hands and uh, the soap dispenser has no soap in it? What do you want to do with that soap dispenser? I can't hear you. Okay, if you go to, uh, for Kevin's sake, if you go to a Coke machine, and you put in your seven dollars for to get a coke. <laughs> Pepsi's your only two fifty. <laughs> so you put you put in your toonie, so to speak, into the coke, and nothing comes out. What do you want to do to that machine? Anything else? Knock it over. Has anybody looked at the writing and it, see one word that comes up when it's not working? Does anybody remember the word tilt? That means it ain't working because somebody's hammered me, kicked me. I'm not working. I'm tilted. The word, admini the word administration there means dispensing. I think we cause the body of Christ and culture great heartache because they come to us and as dispensers were empty. In the same way a soap dispenser, whatever the dispenser is, whatever product it is, when you don't get what you've wanted to get, you get ticked off. I wonder if we've created angst in culture by being depleted instead of being repleted by God and full so we can literally administer or dispense the grace of God through us. And I believe that that's what he's looking for and wanting to help us. So in pursuit of the Lord, let me put this down here. I want to just give you this uh, slide that's filled with what I've been trying to talk about here today. All the dimensions of spirit light. Let's have a look at it. So what do we got? Can we read it together? Number one. Okay. Can somebody say that's a plateful? And guess what? They're all available to his body. So where do we go from there? Well, I think there needs to be a reordering. I got my friend here. He's a bodybuilder. And I think God wants to shift the order. Mike, that used to look like you. But you've gone to pot, Mike. I remember when you were a sleek SWAT officer. I remember. And now I'll become the old sergeant now. Yes, Sarge. <laughs> okay. See, guys, it's about the head. If we don't have an understanding of the head, how does the body come to its fullness of maturity? 
You say, I don't care about the head. Well, I'll tell you what. We need to start caring about the head. Because if you go back to the fivefold ministries, we're to grow up into him who is the head over all things. So what I... Can I go back? There we go. So I got Mike up here on the screen. I don't know which Mike it is, but put your name in there. So we've got the head. We need to understand the head. Then we spend all of our time on the body. It's not about the body. It's like marriage. It's all about the bride, should it be? We made it about the bride, but is it not about the groom? Who are we waiting for? Behold, the bridegroom comes. Some switches have been flipped. Am I anti-bride? Of course not. Not the point. The point is some things need to be shifted in the way we think. Say, now is the bride not important? Of course the bride is important. But so is the groom. If you only have a marriage when they come together as one. The bride and the groom, male and female, created he them. That's the scripture. So when we, when we look at this, we got, we got all about these things, and they're all important about body ministry, but there's a training order that I, need, I believe needs to be shifted. And that is where everyone in this room, you understand the headship of Jesus Christ and how it functions. Number one, because in your home, your children learn very quickly who dad is, and who mom is. They get to know the head before they get to know anything else. Let's take the natural order and superimpose it into the spirit realm because God is wanting us to understand there is an order. So let me, let me give you the next slide. Equipping, the, the equipping nature of God. So let me just give you this picture. We can read it together. Oh, I got time lag in this one. Sorry about that, Kevin. Okay, let's read this together. Up at the top, right at the top. The equipping nature of the Godhead. Hebrews 13 and 20. Okay. Number one. Are. Fruit of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. Operations of the Spirit. Graces of the Spirit. Anointing of the Spirit. Is there any one of those that we do not need? How many figures we need them all? Is anybody hungry? Hungry to see the restoration of the headship of Christ? The fruit of the Spirit, of course, is absolutely essential, but it's about behavior. I'd take that many times and I'd put it at the bottom. We're all about fruit. We need to understand the gifts, the graces, the operations, the graces of the Spirit so that we can become productive, fruit-bearing believers in the kingdom of God. There may be some things that need to be shifted in order so that we can understand what God. So I ask myself the question, am I hungry? How hungry am I? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So when it comes to the spirit life in the church, all of this is available to us. And I believe he wants to give it to everyone. This will be near my last slide. Are you ready? This is the best one. Saving the best ones to the last. This is about life in the spirit. Are you ready? Are you sure? Okay, it says, life in the Spirit, obtaining and maintaining spiritual momentum. Six things, but there's six on the next slide. Are you ready to go? Right, index finger, one, number one, let's go, hit it.
12 things that are available to every one of us to live a life in and by the Spirit, and it's all according to God's Word. And can somebody say, thank you very much for those slides. That's a picture of our lives. I don't know about you, but I've been born of the Spirit. I want to live in this. Who wants to live in the Spirit? Anybody want to be led by the Spirit? Who wants to walk in the Spirit? Anybody here today, you're not filled with the Spirit. Now's an opportune time. Be filled with the Spirit. How about praying in the Spirit? People say, oh, Ken, I can only pray for two to three minutes. I'm run out of things to pray for. Ta-da! I've got a solution for us. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And can you never run out of things to pray for? Let's go one, one more time over this. Let's do it together. So this morning when we came, did we worship in spirit? It says, you got to worship me in spirit and truth. So let's have a look at our worship this morning. Was what they sang truthful? Were they being led by the spirit? That's how we look at things that are happening. This morning, am I being truthful in the word of God? Am I being authentic? To the Word of God. Yeah. Why am I unpacking the Word of God so you can understand it? Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do so that we have the responsibility now of living this thing out. And I just say to the ministry, the Holy Spirit in His church is absolutely incredible. And there's all these things here, all about symbols. Oh, look at that one. Look at this whole chart here again. The major ministry of the Spirit, the symbols of the Spirit. How can we injure the Spirit? This is incredible. We can vex him, resist him, lie to him, tempt him, insult him, blaspheme him, grieve him, and quench him. Why? Because he's a, a person. So we need to get down before the Lord and say, God, am I guilty of any things? I'm welcoming Holy Spirit. But have I vexed you? Have I resisted you? Have I lied to you? That's New Testament stuff. They lie. How can you lie to the Holy Spirit? Insult, blasphemy. That's not a good thing to do. When I was working in Toronto at Revival Hour Television Ministry for eight years, I answered a lot of questions. One, I, I need to know, sir, can somebody help me? I, I wonder, have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? And I'd be responding to those questions. Uh, next question, have I committed the unpardonable sin? You see, because a liar in the world, he wants people to believe that they've done these things. There's some serious things in the Word of God that we need to get a handle on and a hold of. What does it mean to blaspheme the Spirit? It means to attribute to the Spirit the works of Satan. And the works of Satan to the works of the Spirit. You can't do that and get away with it. How many people, can have you met that have blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Only a few in my entire life in ministry. I tried to work deliverance and deliverance. About seven or eight of us tried over a couple of years. And I said, Lord, why can we not get freedom for this man? And the Spirit said to me, son, it's too late. He's blasphemed me. May I ask, how blasphemous is our culture right now? The unpardonable sin. What's the unpardonable sin? It's rejecting Jesus. It's the worst thing you can do. So I'd write them back and I'd put all these letters together to answer people's questions they have down deep in their heart. In the whole realm of sexuality, can do I have a castaway mind? And I'd draw out their heart and try to help people who are disturbed in that whole realm of human sexuality. I just want to tell you behind all of it, 
as a lying spirit. Doesn't matter what gamut it's in. And so I submit this to you this morning. And these are the symbols. You want to shout them out to me? Number one, let's do it. We need to learn about the symbols of the Spirit of God. They're all there. They're all for us. And so I just believe that God wants us to live what we believe. Would anybody want to live what they believe? Let's read this together. Let's read it. Are you ready? Here it comes. Life in the Spirit. Blamelessness of our spirit. So what we get an opportunity to do is have God help us in all these things and ask ourselves, am I hungry? Let's stand together. Covered a lot of material here this morning. I hope it's been helpful to our understanding. As I was waiting on the Lord for this message, I, I was wakened by the Lord at 4 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday morning. And I had a two-hour dream about this morning. And I, I don't get dreams very often. About God's desire to visit this house in ways that's been prophesied over you. Yeah. Say, when something's prophesied over me, how long does it take to fulfill? Great question, and I really don't have the answer. God has a time. And... I pray for your leadership here, and Mike and Guy and some of our church, we, we carry the whole network in our hearts. And, and we pray for you. We pray for you, Mark and Katrina. We pray for you. And Mark and Rhonda and, and Kevin and Sherry, Barry and Tammy, and all the other people we know. I, I have you all in my heart. And I believe Holy Spirit has something for you. But he wants to create a body-wide hunger. Kevin can't do that for you. Even Sherry working with, you, with him. They cannot create hunger. Only Holy Spirit can create hunger in our hearts. Holy Spirit just said to me, give them an overview of who I am. I've given you an overview of who he is. And he wants to equip us in all these ways. Anybody interested? They say, Ken, I've overwhelmed you. No, no. The intention of the Spirit is not to overwhelm. It's to whet the appetite of the house for the series of message that your leader is leading you through. And to create a hunger in your intercession for these things to happen. Anybody interested? God has been desirous to create a culture of prayer in this house for years. He's been desirous to create a culture of prayer. And I want to encourage you. I know you've moved it from Saturday night to Tuesday night. May I encourage you? Could you all come? You say, are you serious? Yeah. We want things, and we talk about things. But there's a thing called corporiety, and the body comes together. For instance, if you're not here every week, you'll have a hard time connecting with the momentum of the house. If you're only here every three weeks or four weeks, whatever it may be, you're just coming in and enjoying everything. But what about where does God want to take you?
where does he want to take you? So in my dream on Wednesday morning, I can't tell you everything that was in the dream other than God <laughs> desires to visit you. And it's individual. And when he visits every individual, guess what will happen to the corporate body? Help me out. He wants to visit you. Will you men and all you singers, will you let him visit you? I hear him here. I'm almost begging you. I would be in Paul's position where he said, I beseech you, congregation, to a place in God he's promised. But you've got to be able to get there. So I come as a voice, as a friend, as a father, as one who loves you and one is committed to you to bring this to you today. So I submit that to you. No coercion. No manipulation. Your decision. Amen. Kev, would you come and stand with me? I bless you today. I love you. My heart has been connected to you for so many years. And I yearn in my spirit for you. I yearn. I travail in the spirit for you. And I believe that God wants to bring you into a new place, fresh place. I've tried to be authentic and consistent over the years with you and seek to love you and serve you. And today I I submit this message to you. Anything you want to correct next week when you're here, you just get rid of all the slides and correct whatever you want to correct. Right? That's, that's fine. Right? You have permission to correct me and adjust me because I'm under your authority. So I submit this to your house this morning. I believe that there is a contagion of the spirit that he has for you in a powerful way. It's in a really beautiful way. So I submit it to you. And I love you. You and Sherry. And I submit that to you. I love you today. Bless you today.